When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Why do we have to hold things down all the time? I want to be taken care of. Hello and welcome to the Miseducate podcast. My name is Sarah Gathugu, host and owner of the Miseducate blog and now podcast. This podcast is here to expand upon prior and future blog posts and is centered around having open and honest conversations about the aspects of life we have been misinformed on. Whether that be relationships, religion, culture, you name it, I'm here to talk about it. Each episode, I will be talking about a different topic and inviting guests to talk about their own experiences of miseducation and what they are doing to re-educate themselves. This podcast aims to make you laugh, think, and inspire conversations for change. None of us have it right. We have all been miseducated. On this episode, I am joined by Tiffany, otherwise known as Black Woman Empowered, to discuss the miseducation of pretty privilege, desirability politics, and whether there are any true winners in this debate. So, without further ado, let's get into it. So, firstly, this is Tiffany. A fellow black follow, a fellow black blogger, and owner of Black Woman Empowered, which you guys have seen me feature um, and like repost her stuff all the time because I absolutely love Tiffany's content, and also a future doctor in the house. <laughs> I am so pr- I feel like I'm in the I'm in the midst of royalty here, but yeah, thank you so much for being here, Tiffany. Um, how are you doing this morning? First of all, Sarah, thank you for having me. Um, This morning, I'm feeling really good. It's raining here in New York, and I feel like those, I feel like the rainy days make me feel lazy, but it also makes me feel really just grateful at the same time. I don't know, just kind of like being indoors and like not having to go outside today, like, I don't know, it just makes me feel really good. Yeah. So I'm feeling feeling good this morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited for this interview. I've like been reading stuff and stuff. Yeah, I've just been like rereading stuff and it's just, it's it's kind of weird that you're saying it's like rainy where you are because like we are so used to the rain here in Britain, but mm-hmm. it's actually been really warm and really nice and sunny. So it's been like, I don't know, in Fahrenheit, like 90 in Fahrenheit. Oh, wow. So it's been good, which is like crazy for us because we're like warm, sun. Sun? <laughs> really? Oh my gosh. But yeah, um, just before we get started with like the main topic, I kind of just wanted to pick your brain about Black Women Empowered. 
So first, why did you start Black Women Empowered? Okay, so I originally wanted a space for women like me that kind of deal with certain issues that aren't talked about openly or like if they are talked about it isn't to the fullest it could be if that makes sense um so as a black woman I know that in different spaces I face a lot of different circumstances that are uncomfortable and you know it seems like it feels like like I'm sometimes like I'm the only person that you know experiences these things so I was like okay I'm feeling this way I'm not sure if other people are feeling this way so if I write about it let let's see the reactions that I get and so essentially I wanted to make a space for black women to talk about the issues that they go through um to expose other people to what black women go through what marginalized communities go to go through and how they can be better in terms of advocating for them and, and you know making a space for them um because a lot of times you know people are not they don't intend to be malicious or they don't intend to exclude but because they don't know they're not able to foster an environment where other people are aware and that they're aware if that makes sense yeah um so mainly you know those two things and then also I wanted to document my journey being in a medical program, I feel like that's another thing. I'm really big on representation. Um, 2% of black women are physicians. And, you know, I want that number to skyrocket one day. So I feel like making this platform, I'm helping other young black women that are interested in doing what I'm doing. I'm helping them get to where I'm at. And also kind of like leading on from that and also intertwining what you just previously said, you chronicle your journey as a black woman in medicine what has that process been like so far (laughs) yeah um a lot of ups and downs um I feel like in the beginning it was like a lot of excitement like wow I'm in this program and you know the end result is becoming a physician this is great but then through throughout my first three years I realized that it's scary because one even though my program is, you know, predominant, it's geared towards black and brown students, right? So I'm in classes with black and brown students. It's not like I'm the only, you know, black woman in my classes, right? So there's that safety there. Um, But it's not always going to be like that for one. Once I get into residency, I'm going to be one out of the thousands of non-black people in in whatever program I'm in or whatever residency um, I choose to go into. Um, And a lot of um a lot of doubt a lot of I had to overcome a lot of kind of like thoughts that were dark in terms of like not being good enough not being smart enough wondering how I even got into this program because I don't know what's going on um so kind of like challenging myself and kind of overcoming those thoughts Mm. and you know that's what they call imposter syndrome so I kind of felt that I still feel that um so you know kind of having to go 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 through that um but then also like it's really hard to be in this field uh, because, you know, personally knowing all of the structural inequities that are going on and wanting to fight, right, for, for myself, wanting to fight for people that look like me, I know that the system I'm going to work under isn't a fair system. And there isn't a lot that I can do as a physician to change that. And it sound, that sounds terrible. So in my head, I feel like the best way to combat that is to do what I'm doing now and to continue to uplift my voice and the voices around me so that we're heard. 
um, and that changes are, are, are happening. Um, yeah, but, but overall, it's, it's really an amazing experience in terms of having people kind of tell me like, wow, like I, you, you're inspiring me, like what you're doing with the blog and like how you're in medical school, like that's amazing. Like that's what keeps me going, knowing that like my end goal is not, you know, just to be a physician that's going to help people. It's, I'm going to be a black woman in spaces that I am, that weren't tailored for me and that, you know, people can look up to. So, um, yeah, I'd say it's, it's, it's a handful, but yeah. it's something that I'm I'm willing to work towards and that I'm happy to be in even when it gets terribly hard. <laughs> yeah. And kind of lastly, what are you, other than like actually becoming like a doctor, what are you hoping for with this journey of you being in medicine and also with your blog with Black Women Empowered? What am I hoping for? Um, that's like a a big question. I feel like for right now, what I'm hoping for is to build community, um, to build a space where I'm easily accessible to everyone or anyone that wants to be in contact with me so that I can uplift them and they can uplift me. And it's kind of just like this sharing experience. Um, yeah. And I feel like, you know, becoming a physician is just having that platform where people, it's sad, but, you know, when you have, when you're at uh, a higher level or when you are kind of deemed superior in society. So being a physician or being a lawyer, you have more credibility. People want to listen to you more. So I feel like that's going to add to, you know, exactly what I want to do in terms of advocating and pushing for black lives and pushing for black people. Um, and then also it's kind of like, I am not, I don't want to say in control, but like I have the ability to save, lives and to teach people how to save our lives so I think that's just so powerful um and then as far as the blog it, it's, it's mainly building community and, and building a space for black women and black people and even you know non-black people to just come and join us so that we can just build a better world in general I'm gonna link some of like your blog and your blog posts and your blog in general in the description below so if you haven't already you really need to go check out Tiffany because she is inspiring and she's great and follow her on Instagram as well um but anyway to the main kind of like section of the podcast um we actually spoke last week just kind of like discussing what we what you wanted to talk about and when I asked you to come on the podcast you said that you would like to talk about desirability politics and kind of like the miseducation surrounding it. Right. So firstly, for those who are probably listening and have no idea what desirability politics is, could you briefly explain like what is meant by the term? Right. So I guess simply desirability politics would just be the fact that your physical attraction um, is very political. It comes from structural forces right so it's not something that is entirely innate it comes from kind of like years of conditioning right whatever households you've been in what you've been viewing on tvs on you know media um the people you're around um things like things like that um i have actually a really good definition from deshaun harrison Okay. I just want to bring it up because I love this definition. Mine was kind of whack, but <laughs> it got to the point. Um, let me just pull it up really quickly. Deshaun Harrison actually wrote something on desirability politics, but more so framing it around um, fatness, right? And how 
a lot of people kind of push for well like basically he had like a lot of friends that were really like they were activists and they were uh for social justice and, and things of that nature and you know they fought for him right and like for fatness and like inclusivity but he then realized that he's only accepted in certain spaces especially when it comes to like social justice and, and politicalness he's only accepted when it when it's something like political he's not accept like he knows that his friends weren't dating fat people and that there weren't other fat people in his circle so it's like are you really okay with fatness if you're not incorporate if you're not okay with dating fat people if you're not okay with uplifting fat people outside of your whole activism kind of thing that you're put, promoting you know yeah. um so this definition I don't know why it's so hard to find I just highlighted it and it's okay so he says I define desirability politics as the methodology through which the sovereignty of those deemed conventionally conventionally attractive beautiful arousing is determined put another way the, the politics of desire labels that which determine who gains and holds both social and structural power through the affairs of sensuality, often predicted on anti-blackness, anti-fatness, transmisogyny, cis-sexism, queer antagonism, and all the other structural violence. Mm. Um, so he really hits it on the head in terms of kind of like all the marginalized groups that aren't upheld when we were talking about physical attraction. I think it's also quite interesting because like the article that you linked in your blog that you talked about when it was talking about like desirability politics that's in the everyday feminism mm -hmm. even says that like um, the ways attraction can be present is also like is, out, is also outside of the physical as well and mm -hmm. the one way to be attractive as explained is generally in line with oppressive systems and we're told to desire what is closest to whiteness what is closest to fully able-bodied and what is closest to the cis heteropatriarchal gender norms of, among other systems and I found that so interesting because we're always taught and we're always kind of made to feel especially like within my experience as a black woman is this kind of like you're told to like even though somebody said I would never date you it's supposed to be this thing of it's not my fault it's just my preference like it's my innate preference it's my biological preference I'm attracted to this and it's not because you're black or it's not because of racism it's not because of you know misogynoir it's not anything like that it's honestly just because this is just my preference and you should respect that because it's my like freedom of speech and whatever right. I don't know about you but have you ever found that like people use preference as a way to kind of like scapegoat why why they kind of justify desirability politics definitely uh, I feel like the term preference works right when you are talking about things that have nothing to do with I want to say so for example right I can definitely have preference on ice cream flavors like that's totally like everyone has a different palette everyone like okay cool I like cookies and cream you like strawberry whatever that's totally fine there's no there's no there's no structural implication there cool whatever 
But when you have preference towards complexion, you have preference towards even body type, like these, these preferences are, are created over time. This is not something that, like you said, that you're, you know, born with, like you created them over, you know, a period of time. And I feel like people just don't want to be blamed and they don't want to have to dig deeper. Right. So for example, when someone has, let's say a complexion preference, right? Like I prefer my men light skin, or I prefer my women lighter toned, there isn't ever any type of substantial reason, right? Even even if this was a real like a real thing that you could have preference over, there is never something to back it up. It it's always just that's just because that's just what I like. Why? Why is that just what you like? And that it can never be answered. And it's always just like, okay, well that's my preference, and I don't want to get into it. You shouldn't have a problem with it. It's just what I like, and that's detrimental. Like if if you're not willing to dig deeper, there's a problem. There's something that you don't want to uncover. So I definitely agree with that. Um, and I, you know, I, ch- I challenge people, dig deeper into your preferences, even if it's something that you think is harmless, like a specific body type. A lot of people think that's harmless. No, okay, because over time, the world has shifted what they deem attractive. And if you are following that, that's a problem. We went from liking women, at, you know, rather thin right in like early 2000s and now it's all about you know having the slim thick body frame and it's like if you're following these movements you're following social structures you're Mm. falling into the trap Mm. and okay so this might be kind of like a hard question to answer but maybe like it's something to ponder over and think about but like why do you think that people are just so not ready to have that conversation of like for example, like you've had a conversation with somebody and you've said, look deeper, like ask yourself why you think these things. Why do you think it's so hard for people to not look within and just be like, oh, maybe, maybe I am, a, maybe I am just following like societal, um, what society deems as attractive and desirable. Maybe I am just following that. Maybe it is colorism. Maybe it is my fat phobia. Maybe it is, you know, racism. Maybe it is this, this and that. Like, why is it so hard for people to, or why do you think it is hard for people to kind of look within themselves and be like, oh, I'm the issue too? I think, you know, it's a prideful thing and it's the idea of not wanting to be the bad guy. It kind of, in my head, I I relate this to when, you know, a non-Black person, right? Let's say a white person is singing a song and they say the N-word and you're like, whoa, like you can't do that. That's it, it's it's essentially racist. Don't don't do that. And they're like, I'm not racist. What do you mean? And it's like that apprehension and that that pushback is because they don't they don't want to be labeled something that's socially wrong. Like they don't want to be socially wrong, right? If you're wrong, you know, behind closed doors and nobody's labeling you a racist, nobody's labeling you a colorist. Okay, you can continue doing what you're doing, wreaking havoc in the world. But once it's brought out into the world and someone's like, hey, you're doing this and you're affecting a group of people and you're causing harm. It's like, uh, uh, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. So I think people are, af- and, and people are afraid of social exclusion, right? People are afraid of cancel culture. They're afraid of being shunned from society be- because of their actions. So instead of reframing, reforming, reflecting, they are combative, mm-hmm. right? And and I think we haven't built a society, honestly, that is focused on allowing people to reflect 
and and come back into the world and be better people. Do you get? Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of like you do one thing wrong. Oh no, nah, we can never. We can put that man away. Put that woman away. She said this. He said that. So it's like they don't even. Sometimes people don't even want to reflect because they know how bad it can get, right? So if maybe if maybe if we had like a society that was more accepting, like, hey, you did that wrong. That was ugly. We hated that. But we're gonna give you some time to think about it. Read a few articles. Come back. Let us know what you learned and. You're fine. You're good. Um, yeah. So it, you know, it, it's just a matter of not wanting to to look bad in front of people, not wanting to be called a name um, in pride. Yeah, definitely. We've not really cultivated a culture or a society where rehabilitation and kind of like you know redemption and compassion has really right. been fostered properly. We just kind of live in a you do something wrong, that's it. Crucify you, and you know throw you in jail and literally lock away the key like you can't come back and I could I could say I'm working on that because I definitely am I feel that way sometimes when someone does something wrong I'm like they should know better like absolutely not I'm not dealing with that but it's like you we're all people and like as much as I'm tired of singing the same song of you know oppression and structural inequity it's kind of like there are still people that genuinely do not understand because they do not have to face what you face and like it's hard for for people to start looking up things that have nothing to do with their identity right Mm so I kind of think of you know being able-bodied like I'm not I don't always look through articles about people that are disabled right Or, or um I'm sorry people that have that live with a disability I don't do that. So it's like, how am I going to know what they go through? Do, do, you, do you know what I'm saying? If, if I'm not doing that, it's, I have to have grace essentially, right? Because I'm assuming, you know, people have grace with me when it comes to things that I'm not fully aware of, right? Um, so it's just really about having grace, especially when you feel like you are an expert in a field or you know a lot about something, just have patience and be graceful with people. Mm. Um, and then if they're not willing to listen, I guess that's when you can get a little irritated. <laughs> <laughs> but kind of going back to like desirability politics, um, in your own experiences, like when did you realize and recognize desirability politics? Right. Um, so I'm going to take it way back. And I, at this point, I probably, you know, did, obviously didn't know the term di- desirability politics. I didn't know what I was feeling. I didn't know what I was going through. But I noticed a pattern, right, in every kind of like every area of schooling, I'd say. So I'll start from like, okay, elementary school. I was one of I was the only black uh, girl in my class from like second grade to eighth grade. And I, you know, it's normal to have crushes, right? Everyone has a crush. But I noticed that crushes kind of only worked out when it was a white boy liking a white girl or a white girl liking a white boy or um there's very limited people of color in my class so there wasn't even a focus on them unfortunately uh we didn't have kind of like the main role in the story uh, and so I noticed that when I started to develop crushes on boys it was never reciprocated ever it was kind of just like at a certain point I just knew like oh I have a crush on this person that looks like this well I look like this and I know that's never gonna happen so I remember kind of like being really young and internalizing that as oh I'm ugly I'm not if I don't look like these girls then I'm probably never gonna have a boyfriend or never gonna have a romantic experience and then it's kind of like okay 
my idea of myself is being shaped by these children around me. I live in a black family that is constantly telling me I'm beautiful. So it's like those two things are kind of those forces are, um, you know, pushing back on each other. Yes. And then it's like I'm watching movies that like the most popular movies are predominantly white romantic movies. So it's like, again, I'm being reinforced. If you don't look this way, you're not going to get that love that you dream about as a, like a little girl. Mm. Um, and so then moving into high school, I went to a school that was more diverse. Um, and I feel like I started to get into myself more. I started to realize, okay, like I don't have to look like that to be deemed attractive. Um, but there is now, now there's a new issue, right? It's not about, it's not white versus black anymore. Now it's complexion issues. Now it's colorism, right? Yeah. And I didn't really understand colorism, but I'm like, hmm, I think this boy is cute and he looks like me, but he doesn't, like, he's not interested in me. He's interested in the girls with the looser hair textures and the lighter complexions. And it's like, okay, so now I have to look like that in order to be seen anywhere. Hmm. Um, so then I, that kind of got reinforced. And then one day I was kind of just like, whatever, I, you know, I'm not dealing with that. I got to college. And then at this point, you know, I feel like my confidence, my, my sense of self was pretty okay. Like pretty, pretty good for what it could be at that time and not being fully aware of these terms and like what was going on, but just kind of living everyday life. I made a friend group, like my best friend in the entire world and I just found myself so I am the the darkest one in my friend group mm. and all my friends are absolutely gorgeous absolutely stunning um and so I noticed you know when we would go out um you know if there's let's say it's a party whatever we at there'd be men there'd be men there you know trying to talk to the women whatever um and I noticed that like immediate attention would go to my friends mm. and and like I in my head, like, of course, I know my friends are gorgeous, and I that would never take away that I would never, you know, pull away their attractiveness from their complexion. But it was clear to see that when you ever when you are of a lighter skin complexion, men tend to flock quicker, right? Yeah. Darker, they have to look twice, mm -hmm. right? It takes them. It's 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 not an an immediate attraction, right? You could be beautiful, but because you're not lighter toned you don't get the immediate reaction, right? You're kind of like the second option. Okay, like she's beautiful, but mm, eh, yeah, right? So I started to notice that and I internalized that as, okay, wow, I must not be that cute. I must not be that pretty. Wow, men really must not, whatever. Um, And so like at that point in the game and, and kind of like starting up the blog and learning more, reading more, I realized that everything that I'm experiencing is the root of desirability politics so the closer you are to whiteness the closer you are to this social norm the more i want to say the more uh traffic <laughs> you'll you'll get basically and so if you're in a group of people and you are the the most right if you're deviating from the social norm the most you're not gonna get the most um traffic and and not that women not that women want men male attention that's really not what it is but th this is something that you just tend to notice and it and you can't ignore it because it's just unfair to say like okay well maybe you're just not that not that attractive like oh maybe maybe they're just really not that uh, you know attracted to you in that moment and it's just like but why why what makes 
why are you so tailored to women that look a certain way? Where does that come from? Where, where is that? Where, what is it rooted in? Mm. And that's what people don't want to talk about. Yeah. I've also kind of um, seen that. And this was kind of like one of the points in your blog post is that like people, as soon as black women, specifically black women, because that's what you were talking about in the post, like as soon as black women say, this is what I want, these are the things that I expect from a relationship, not like physical wise, just kind of like, I want this and that. Immediately people come to like, start humbling you. And mm-hmm. I just kind of like, I wanted to relate it to desirability politics because, and I think it is very much related to desirability politics because there is this whole thing that when black women are in a situation where they are seen as or if they are, and there's been several different like experiences that I've also gone through where like somebody has tried to flirt with me. And then as soon as I kind of like don't give them their full attention, immediately they're like, well, I didn't want you anyway. And, you know, you should be grateful that I like you because I, they won't say the obvious. They won't say like, it's because you're black and you're darker, but they will be like, oh, my friends don't like black girls. They don't like darker skin girls. They don't like this, 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 this. And I'm like, so you trying to tell me that I should be really grateful to you that you have chosen me? Mm. What is going on here? And I think that like, I think we're seeing it a lot more now. I see it on Twitter. I see it on Instagram as well. But like society is really obsessed with like humbling. And I use that in quotations, humbling black women. And in your blog post, you said um, one of yours was like understanding the worth of black women. And you say that like understanding the worth of black women is, can, should be devoid of trauma. Like black women do not have to earn what they want. And I think you put it in such a beautiful way, but like, why do you think that society is so obsessed with humbling black women? Well, I think, you know, this goes way back, right? So not even just focusing on black women, when anything, when you were threatened by anything, or not you, but when society, I feel like, is threatened by anything, they work, it works hard to crush it, right? So when we think about Blackness, right, and and the inception of slavery, like, Black people were, are the strongest, right, and the most powerful, and we have tribes, and we were just, had our own civilization, and white people were threatened by that. So what did they do? Took over, made it their mission to have people believe things that were not true about us to the point of us having generations and centuries of trauma to the point that today we're still not okay like they literally worked so hard just to build this empire of trauma and pain for us because they were threatened by us right so when it comes to black women especially darker skinned black women when we come into our power and we know our worth right and we know like i'm not gonna put up with that doesn't like my complexion doesn't doesn't mean anything i'm gorgeous i'm smart i'm all these things that you guys can consistently say that i'm not but i know that i am once you're in your power (laughs) right once you're in your power they hate that they're like who told you whoa 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 who told you that and why do you like why do you even know this like and so when people get threatened they want to bring us down so bad. Mm. Um, and what's really interesting to me, I kind of had this conversation with one of my best friends, right? When I think about, right, so so we're talking about kind of like Black women having standards and Black women kind of putting their foot down and Black women wanting certain things, right? Mm. I think about stay-at-home moms, right? I don't know about you, but I haven't seen a lot of 
black stay-at-home moms. That's not like the social, that, that's not, I don't even say the social, that's not like the norm in general. There's no like TV shows where the black woman is the stay-at-home mom. There's no reality shows like that. It's usually like white moms. It's like, that's, that's what we're used to seeing. Um, and so it's like, when a black woman says like, hey, like I want to be a stay-at-home mom. I don't want to work a job. I want to have a husband that can support me and my children. And I want to take care of my children. And I want to live this lavish life without having to work a job. There's a lot of pushback, right? from black men, from men all over. It's like, get a job and work, girl. Like people can't just be taking care of you. But then when it comes to white women, when it comes to Latinx women, that women that look a certain way, it's like, of course she should be staying at home. Do you see what she looks like? Like she should not be working a day in her life. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hmm, like why is there such a big discrepancy? Like why can't black women, especially dark skinned black women have a luxurious life and not have to work hard, mm-hmm. but lighter skin and white women that's just the norm like you see a, a white woman being a, a stay-at-home mom or not working that's regular you're not gonna bat an eye it's not like oh that's weird why is she not working no that makes sense for the black woman you expect her to have two or three jobs you expect her taking things taking care of things and holding things down why do we have to hold things down all the time i want to be taken care of i don't need to work for everything like mm. <laughs> my very existence is working yeah. full time yes no days off <laughs> no vacation time <laughs> okay so <laughs> Um, so I guess just to kind of like sum this up, it, it it's a matter of just being threatened by our presence and by our power. Because once mm-hmm. we come to our power, nobody nobody can say anything to us. Yeah, it's very true. Honestly, as you were saying things, I was literally just thinking of like different things that people like Bell Hooks and um, Angela Davis have written on just like black women and how like we've had to work so hard and been kind of like stripped of having the luxury of things being done for us and having to do everything for not even for us we don't even do things for ourselves anymore we do them for other people and it's just kind of like as soon as we set a standard as soon as we set like just like an expectation for ourselves and we're saying meet us here because this is the standard that I set for myself and I expect you to do the same it's like no 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 sorry can't do that can't do that and I think it also goes back to like desirability politics because it's basically as soon as you because I feel like what we've both been saying is that as soon as you deviate from the norm of desirability politics as soon as you say I will no longer feel that I have to be humbled as a black woman for wanting what I want as soon as you say that like actually I do find desirability within myself with whatever kind of like um with whatever kind of like group that you, whichever kind of marginalized group that you identify with, or even within the intersections of those marginalized groups, as soon as you start to like love that about yourself and love who you are and have all these expectations, society literally comes and tries to stamp stamp it out like quick because it's in society's kind of view of things, these kind of tools of oppression and these power discrepancies are just the natural way of things so by you even me just saying deviating from the norm is already kind of like perpetrating the same kind of thing because it's kind of giving this notion that like by me loving myself I am deviating from the natural way of things it's not I'm not if anything me not loving myself is the deviation from who I was made to be as a human being talk that talk it's so it's so crazy it's so crazy that like 
the world does so much. And I've actually like seen a TikTok of this girl, of this beautiful black woman. And she was like, how I know I'm beautiful is the fact that there have for centuries, the people in power have actually been trying to tell me that I'm not. And I was right. like, I never saw it that way. I just kind of thought of it as kind of like, okay, stay in your lane, you know? Right. Be be happy for the scraps that you get. But she was like, no, the fact that people have been like trying to come against me for so long kind of also testifies mm. to the fact that I am beautiful. And I was like, I've never thought to see it in that perspective. And I greatly like admired that. And I was like, okay, I need to start walking in that. Right, right. And yeah, I was just going to say that... Um, there is a lot of things that black women have to like there's a lot of roadblocks that we have to kind of navigate through in order to come into our power and to come into our you know love for ourselves and like it's so complex right so it's like like hair and it's like kind of like unlearning the fact that my hair doesn't have to look a certain way in order to be desirable um but then it's like even in my like age right now, like I've had so many different hairstyles. I cut my hair, I wear my natural hair out. I've noticed that I'm still uncomfortable with my hair in its rawest form. Like right after I take a shower and I put the deep conditioner in and I just let it be, I know that I would never willingly go anywhere important with my hair like that. And it makes me sad because it's like as much work, as much as I'm, you know, kind of doing the work to unlearn all of these you know, quote unquote, social norms that we're talking about that I've internalized, there's still a lot that's deep inside and hard to kind of get away from, right? Because mm-hmm. like, I, I genuinely right now, I can't imagine myself going anywhere with my hair in its rawest form. And I'm, I'm working on that. But it's just like, it's sad. It's like, it, it doesn't matter how much work you put in, it does get better. But there's still so much to do. There's still so much work uh, to be done. And there was this tweet. Um, this woman said, um, Black women are the only women that are forced to um, find themselves attractive without any external validation. Mm. And that's so true because it's like when we, right? So when we change our hair, let's say we put on a wig, it's like, oh, like, love yourself. Why can't you wear your natural hair out? Why, like, why do you have to always change yourself? And then it's just like, what? Like, what do you, like, Maybe I like my hair this style. I'm sorry that society has pressured me into having straighter hair. Like, but sometimes that's not even the case. Sometimes we just like to change it up. Like yeah. that's not that's not the case. But it's like all other women, like white women, Latinx women, they're able to just be, just exist, change up, wear braids, do whatever. And people are always gonna be like, You're gorgeous, you're beautiful. But for us, we have to build that up for ourselves. We have to build up our own esteem and we have to sustain it so that no one can tell us what we deserve yeah so it's a lot it's a lot it really is it really really is um have you ever found that like sometimes that you're I'm not even I wanted to say overly desired but I don't think it's that it's like the opposite of like it's like kind of I think I would say the flip yeah, I would say the other side of the coin of like, instead of just being like, you know, desirability politics um, in terms of being a black woman, but like, like over fetishization, 
Yeah. Um, I feel like in general, because of the, I want to say, because of how, I don't even want to say woke, but I feel like since the pandemic has happened and like the, the current space we're in now, people are more aware because of all the, the infographics going around. People are making more platforms and discussing topics that we weren't talking about before or maybe that just weren't highlighted before and weren't popularized before. Uh, but now we've come into like a space where people are using Blackness as a way to become more popular. So like saying you like Black women as a non-Black person is like, whoa. It's like, oh my God, what reward do I get? Because I said, I like Black women, especially dark-skinned Black women. Okay. Um, yeah, like it's so bizarre to me. And I also, like, this is really random. Not random, it, go it goes along with it, but it's really strange and a lot of people don't agree with me. But I hate when people are like, especially non-Black people, when they're like, yeah, you go off Black queen or they do all of that I'm just like like or like when I wear my natural hair out and someone's like yeah go off black queen like and, and doing so much with it it's like why does everything why does my existence have to be such a production like it's exhausting for me to just be myself and like maybe one day I feel not comfortable with my my natural hair like right after washing it maybe I feel comfortable wearing that wearing it out but I have people commenting on it I have people saying things that aren't just like, oh, like your hair is beautiful. Okay, whatever. That's thank you for saying that. But it's so out wow. And it's just like black queen. And it's just so animated all the time. And that's exhausting. And so like I feel like, especially like non non-black people, like doing things like that, you're it's a fetish. Like it's it's you do you really think I'm beautiful or are you trying to tell yourself that like is this for you or for me like I don't know I can't distinguish it's making me uncomfortable that's so true because it's very hard to distinguish whether it's like you truly believe these things or it's just kind of like just to satisfy your ego just so that you can kind of feel good like a good a good person a good ally right. or whatever right. Just so that you're not called a colorist you want to mm. proclaim that you love dark-skinned black women but you have not dated one mm. You don't even treat the dark-skinned Black women in your life properly. You don't even respect your, your mother. So, like, when we talk about respecting Black women, it's not just about ro romancing Black women. It's about when you're in spaces with Black women, you listen to them. You make sure that they're protected. You don't allow harm to get to them. You're you're conscious, right? You're, you're just as conscious as you would be around a white woman, right? Mm. You are, you know what I'm saying? So I think a lot of people kind of misconstrue what we mean by protect black women it's i don't need you to talk i don't need you to say i love black women because that's doing absolutely nothing for me and for my identities <laughs> you're just wasting air you're wasting breath and you're annoying me so so <laughs> it's like we can do better let's let's be more actionable um yeah mm. i think that's i think what you just said right there is really important to kind of like highlight because within desirability politics it's not just you then saying because the only thing we've really touched on is like being black women because that's kind of like our perspectives but right. like within desirability politics it's not necessarily saying that you have to go around to every black woman and say oh I find you really attractive and you're so beautiful black queen and slay look at your natural hair <laughs> I, love, I love you in your most natural state da, 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 da. it's right. like, 
because that's over fetishizing and kind of like go doing too much and too not much. even you're really trying to hit the nail on the head and you're not going anywhere you're not hitting anything um, <laughs> but I think it's within desirability politics as you said in the beginning and kind of like drawing it into this moment now it is just finding a place where you are being more introspective and you are asking yourself these questions of why do I have the preferences that I have you don't have to kind of like over dramatize yourself and like to appeal to black women and think that you're going to get points within the black community by saying mm -hmm. I find black women attractive or even not just for non-black people but also for black people as well that I say well I find darker skinned people attractive it's like what are you expecting by saying that like what do you expect is going to happen because you've said that that we're going to praise you for doing the bare minimum because the whole point yeah. is to kind of break away from desirability politics and to be more introspective and to kind of just check yourself and be honest and the only person that you really have to be honest with is yourself you don't have to justify yeah everything to other people right right another side to it is like when we talk about desirability politics we are talking about okay a harm to people that are not that don't fall within this realm of physical attractiveness right mm -hmm. for whatever reason but then we're also talking about the harm harm to people that are deemed attractive within these within this kind of like framework right um for example I knew someone, uh, a black man, who he kind of was called out for being a colorist, right? It's like, oh, like you only date light skinned women, you don't really look at dark skinned women, um, but you're dark skinned, like that's weird. And he was like, oh, I'm not a colorist, I just like Zendaya and Georgia Smith. It's like, oh, okay, so you're a colorist. Um, so you don't have to say you hate black women or dark skinned black women to be colorist, that's, that's fine. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying in terms of not wanting to be deemed a bad guy. You, you kind of always want to be like, oh, no. But I like black women, dark skin black women. Oh, Lupita, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. You just pulled out a name out of a hat. Why, why are we doing that? Um, so basically this guy, whatever, so called him out, whatever. And he was like, oh, you know, I'm gonna, you know, reform, reflect. I don't wanna be a colorist. Like I, I genuinely do think all black women are beautiful and all that, yada, yada. So cool. This man is pretty, this man, I don't wanna tell too much about this. I don't want people to know exactly who I'm talking about if they do listen to this podcast, but he was well-known and people looked at him highly because of his accolades and what he did academically, right? He was one of those like intelligent, but not one of those, but he was an intelligent, is currently a book intelligent black man who was very knowledgeable about the community and about marginalized people and talked, you know, talked the talk and walked the walk, whatever. Mm. So people, you know, held him to high regard. Basically, something came out in terms of him doing something inappropriate and, and harming a woman of color, right? And and this this woman of color happened to be a lighter toned, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I think about desirability politics, I don't just focus on like the people who are excluded, but the people that are included. And it's like when you have when you you're still associating a certain stereotype with people that are closer to whiteness, right? You are assuming that they are going to act a certain way in comparison to uh, the people that deviate, right? So you still have this kind of like idea of them. And so with this idea of them, you can inflict harm to them, mm. right? So 
it's like if I say that if I say that oh I specifically only like you know lighter tone um usually it's because I think they act a certain way and I like it's not just because oh they're light skin but I think they act a certain way and so I'm gonna treat them I'm gonna treat them um in a certain way too if that makes Mm -hmm. sense so it's like when I think about his like kind of progression it's like it's harmful to be stuck within desirability politics because you're harming both sides at the same time Mm -hmm. um so it's like being conscious of these kind of like biases essentially it's going to help you to to not make bad decisions in in harming people in general because Mm -hmm. you won't have these stereotypes you know just sitting in your brain and causing you to pick certain people because you think that they act this way or you think that they're going to do this for you or you think all of these things get to know the person get to know who they are not what they look like and what they bring to the table because of their physical appearance it's basically like there are people trying to get like basically society says to people that deviate from this supposed norm that okay you need to get into this group but for people that are in the group it's actually hard to maintain being in the group it's hard Mm -hmm. to maintain that kind of like that figure it's hard to maintain like it's different because it's not really like you're not being systemically oppressed by it but you still have to uphold the standard that it's setting right it's like although you're not being oppressed by it you still have the burden of like uplifting it and maintaining it and making sure that it remains so basically I feel like what you said with like your example was that nobody wins nobody wins that's the whole point just because you are deemed desirable does not mean that you are going to win (laughs) exactly exactly Sarah um and, and it's I don't want to say it's funny, but it's not funny. I One of my best friends also kind of deals with this because she's like within the spectrum of being desirable because of the features that she has. And she hates that she's like, she, she acknowledges the fact that, you know, her, she has a certain privilege with being within the group, but it's still harmful to her because she, she's always expected, especially when it comes to men expected to act a certain way with them or to be this certain girl because of what she looks like. And she's like, can you get to know who I am? Because I'm not what you think I am because of what I look like. Can we detach the face and the the body, the the hair from me? Like, can you get to know my being and like my likes, my dislikes? Like, there's there's more to people than what you see or uh, on you know off you know first glance. Yeah. And so I think you know it's important to discuss both sides, and that's exactly what we did. There's the good, the bad, the ugly. There's not a lot of good here. <laughs> a lot of bad and a lot of ugly yeah. so check yourself <laughs> yeah. I think it's yeah it just kind of is you know there's more to a person than just physical there's more to attraction just than just like your physical appearance it's also right. like your personality and who you are and yeah and for those people who think um that's not attractive or I don't like that quality there is somebody out there that probably does think that that's really attractive or yeah there yeah there are people out there that think that that attribute about you is really attractive but I think it all kind of stems from having that one having that like awareness of yourself and of your like preferences and how you present yourself in the world and also knowing like the systemic things that also surround you and influence you because we are influenced by like 
a lot of systemic things that are used to oppress marginalized people and marginalized groups. Right. So in kind of saying that, um, how are you kind of like re-educating yourself on desirability politics? Um, I would say through personally doing things that I'm uncomfortable with. Um, I still kind of hold certain ideas in my head in terms of like what I should look like when I go on dates or like what I should look like when I'm going out with my friends. If, you know, I know I'm going to see new people, like kind of first impressions, like I want them to think I am this way. And now it's kind of like I'm reframing that and it's like really come as you are, right? Because anybody that is meant to be your close friend, your friend, your acquaintance, your significant other is going to accept you for who you are, regardless of how you present yourself. And, and I don't mean that to say, oh, like, just don't care and just, you know, whatever, but it's just, just be yourself, be who you are. You know, if you don't, you shouldn't have to, I was a person that was like, okay, my hair has to look this way if I'm going to go there. So I need to get my hair done on this day so that by that day it's ready and they can see me like this. And it's like, no, like they're, they're not only like, if someone's going to think you're beautiful or someone's going to, whatever the case is, they're going to like it regardless of your form. Um, so I think personally, it's kind of just forcing myself to be comfortable with who I am in, in, in its rawest form. Um, and then also like, kind of like looking outside of myself, like acknowledging my privilege even with being an outsider, because I'm still an insider on certain portions of my identity, right? Like, I can't ignore the fact that I'm not the darkest woman, you know? So it's like, depending on the room that I'm in, right? If I'm with women that are darker than me, maybe I'm the one that men will flock to because of desirability politics, right? So it depends on the room that I'm in um, as far as how I'm treated. So it's like, I have to acknowledge that um, and uplift women all over and not just uplifting my plight because we're all going through our own I want to say our own battles with this um and it's important that I recognize that I'm not you know the worst off right I'm not the most downtrodden person within my community um and and acknowledging the fact that it, it's not just about complexion it's, it's also about weight right we talk about we talk about fatness and we're talking about you know disability and we talk about there's there's a spectrum of things that go fall under the umbrella of desirability politics and a lot of this a lot of those things I am in the I'm benefiting from I don't want to say benefiting but I'm in the I'm included right I'm not an outsider in a lot of these different avenues um because of my identities because I'm able-bodied because I'm cisgendered because I'm all of these other things that are deemed socially acceptable so I think just to sum it up, mainly just being comfortable with myself and understanding that I'm not the most worse off and that I need to make sure that I'm understanding how desirability politics not only affects me personally, but affects the people around me um, and people that have, you know, that deviate from my being. And kind of how are you like confronting your own preferences or how would, yeah, how are you confronting your own preferences? or preferences that you've had in the past? Right. Um, I currently am trying to not be so, okay, I'm gonna be really honest here. I used to be one of those, I used to be the type of person that was like, yeah, if he's not six foot, 
absolutely not and <laughs> I know like height is definitely I don't know in my head I, I was like oh height is definitely just a preference it's just a but like at the same time like you can't control how tall you're gonna be mm-hmm. and like that's that's unfair and that's unreasonable and that's just me so um it's it, it's it's one thing to say that I find this attractive but you shouldn't discount people that are under six foot. That just doesn't make sense. Like, oh, you're not attracted to me because you're not this tall. Like, that's just actually weird. Um, so like, that's one thing that I've been kind of challenging myself with. Like, okay, do you just find this person attractive because they're tall? Mm. And if you do, that's strange. Please fix that. Yeah. <laughs> please look, please recenter yourself and look at the person holistically rather than height, rather than, you know, things like that. Um, in terms of preference, I think that was kind of like the biggest thing that was a problem um, because I was actually like ending potential love interests because of height, which is oh, wow. so embarrassing to say. <laughs> yeah, it was embarrassing. I was like, ah, I'm not that tall. He's okay. But it's like, are you really, are you not getting to know someone? Are you like putting a blockade in front of like your ability to, to, to mesh with someone because of physical appearance? that's weird don't do that like yeah. it's one thing if they say something that rubs you the wrong way right they say something that doesn't align with your spirit and you're like whoa I can't be here because this is harmful to me I can't be with this person but it's like I'm not even allowing this person to get to know me and I'm not fully getting to know them because I'm stuck on the physical and it's not even something that's it's not something that you can't work like who told you that being tall is better like who like where did you get that from hmm where did you get that right so it's what you see it's what you have been conditioned to you know think and so that's something that I have had to unlearn this is for the ladies height doesn't matter somebody's listening to this like mm, Tiffany I don't know you had me in the first half but now I'm sorry we like our six foot the kid. Whole thing, but now mm. right <laughs> listen if we're gonna we're gonna talk the talk we gotta we got to say it fully. We got to be honest here. No, it really is. It's hard to ask because sometimes you just, you say something or you think something um, like me and my sister have been doing this a lot where we'll be like, we'll say something and then we'll be like, oh, wait, that was because I've been saying this because of X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. And we're like, stop being a worker of the patriarchy. Stop being a worker of the yes. Stop being a worker of this. And we say it to each other and we say it in a funny way, but it's a way of like reminding yourself that these are just the way, this is the way the world works. And if you're not conscious, consciously always aware of it, you're going to let it like, you know, fester and settle in your mind and kind of craft and create who you are, how you perceive the world and how you interact with other people and also yes. your preferences. Um, but yeah, thank you for answering your questions, for answering those questions. Thank you for being open and honest. Thank you for like, what you've said it's really inspiring but before we kind of like finish up I do have like a last four questions which is kind of like quick fire round questions yeah um in a segment that I like to call quick miseducated questions Um, (laughs) so the first question is if this podcast episode was a song what would it be this was a song what would it be um fire and desire drake something people don't talk about but should um the fact that some of their preferences some the fact that some preferences that they might have are are actually like just dumb 
um <laughs> so like my my height thing for example I feel like now a lot of people talk about that it's just like oh like I like people of a certain this this height but it's like they don't talk about the fact that it's literally dumb like it just does not there's no it doesn't add up it, it there's no substance to it, it doesn't make sense really Mm. that's something that people should talk about an unpopular opinion that you have um I think Saweetie should stop rapping forever like she should just be a model and go off into the sun this rapping career situation absolutely not she said what she said she said (laughs) what she said I support women that rap but Saweetie stop it please you're killing me (laughs) And lastly, a piece of fake news that you wish was real. That I was a millionaire. Billionaire. Trainer. <laughs> is it fake news or is it just coming? It's just coming soon. Oh, I like that. Hey, Sarah, you got me. You got me. I think it's coming to both of us. A lot of success and prosperity is within our, at our fingertips. Mm. <laughs> but yes, thank you, Tiffany, for coming onto the podcast for just being open like I said before just thank you for everything that you've said and all the different thoughts that you've left us with so yeah thank you Tiffany thank you Sarah I think the biggest thing I've learned about desirability is that although yes it is subjective it is political you can have your preferences and that is all valid But you also need to recognize that they are not innate and they are not, and they are, sorry, they are heavily influenced by the society around us. And the society around us is heavily biased and discriminatory towards so many groups of people. Honestly, I feel like this conversation only scratched the surface about the intensity of desirability politics but that's just kind of one thing that I learned in my discussion with Tiffany what did you learn let me know by following Miss Educate on social media the handles for our Instagram and Twitter will be in the description of this episode also don't forget to check out the blog at miseducateblog.com and add your email to the subscription list so that you don't miss out on new posts Check out the description for resources referenced in this episode and continue to watch, read, listen, educate, and then re-educate yourselves. Thank you so much for listening and thank you, Tiffany, for being a part of this episode. Make sure to rate, review, and share this podcast with a friend. And tune in next time for another for another discussion on the Miseducate Podcast. Bye. Why is my mic going? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.